Hello and welcome back to a fully casted reboot. Everyone's here. The boys are back in town. Spread the word around down at Dino's Bar and Grill. The boys want to fight. You better let them. What's your favorite song? I don't. I don't think I can go past the first. The first yeah. main lyric. I was. Like, I was expecting to run she out. On the corner, shaking what she got. You know, when I said she was cool, she was red hot. I mean, she was steaming. Are you reading the lyrics or? No, no, no. <laughs> okay. No. Friday night we dressed the kill down at Dino's Bar and Grill. Yeah, that's, it's a good song. It's quite sad actually. Do you remember that this is okay? We're already off broadly off topic. Great, perfect. But did you witness the beautiful moment on the internet when someone accessed the Wikipedia song for that um, song, Wikipedia song, Wikipedia page that song, and just rewrote the description as like a short story just telling the story of the boys <laughs> no. just taking the lyrics and turning it into like like just a short it was just it was just great it was just great it was just written in this like speculative way um but you know i mean i do love people messing of... with wikipedia oh yeah it was it was absolutely great um yeah a sad song really if you think about it in context you know arrested development you know, the boys back <laughs> i don't down. think i've ever thought about the context um, of it <laughs> I think you should. I think you Maybe should. Maybe I, I think should. You should. Um, yeah, Lindsay, great. Um, so uh, we have had two away days um, yeah, it's with been a while. guests, which is always the worry of like, because you know, I remember the the Kermit and Mayo podcast. Simon Mayo always says he does he doesn't listen to the episodes when he's away because both both things are bad. One, it's bad and that reflects the show, and that's bad. Or two, it's good, and that makes you feel bad, because mm. you're like, oh, that's good, and it's not me. <laughs> so, Well, unfortunately, so I have to listen to all of them no matter what, so <laughs> I can't, um, I can't I really did, avoid and I did, them. I, I did listen to last time, because I could, couldn't not listen to, um, because um, I'm even going to reference a thing that Jack said in today's episode, oh, because it was that. wise. Um, when we talk about um, animation and non-animation, Jack made a point about Into the Spider- No, Across the Spider-Verse, what a great title, Um not confusing at all. No, no. Then back across the Spider Verse, that'll bring up as a. I thought of this from watching the Little Mermaid live oh, action. Okay. Well, is it really like? Well, you know, as live action as a In almost quotes, entirely yeah. CG movie can be. Um, that movie where I think Javier Bardem cannot swim, but we'll get to that later. We'll get to my theory, <laughs> which is Javier Bardem cannot swim. That's yeah. Um, Little Mermaid's later in the podcast. Libel. Little Mermaid libel. The libel mermaid. Um, so we're going to talk the libel mermaid. And we're going to talk flaming hot. Um, <laughs> That'll be our yeah our our grab yeah, bag is just um, one movie because we're a bit out of sync. Steven's been busy uh, yeah. and releases as always hard to get to everything at the same time. Yeah, so. releases have been staggered, um, and it's been difficult for me to get to the cinema recently. Um, apart from seeing Chunking Express, apparently. Um, uh, hopefully, I will see Transformers next week. I want to see that. Um, which you have seen. I have seen. And I, you loved? <laughs> absolutely loved it. you big fan of Optimus <laughs> no, Primal. Not a fan, but uh, I've never really been a Transformers guy. I don't have much of a connection to it, so not really something that I really went into expecting to be a fan of. It's got Unicron in it. Unicron's cool. Great name, too. Mm. <laughs> do you know the best thing, best bit of trivia about Unicron? You probably do know this. I might not. It's the best Unicron trivia. Um, in Transformers the movie, um, the 80s cartoon, Unicron was played by Orson Welles, and that's his last film role. Oh, that actually is interesting trivia. Mm. I had no mm. idea. That's similar to Raul Julia's last film role being M. Bison in the Street Fighter movie. So there you go. Well, there you go. 
Indeed. Hmm, there you go. Yes, I think when you take on a franchise movie, maybe it will kill you. For all um, of our listeners so, who are famous actors. If you're, if you're going to play the villain in, in, a, in a franchise movie, go, no, actually, because you may die. If you're um, listening to this podcast and you're a famous actor and you are in your in your, in your your later Mark years, if you're, Mark if you're in your 70s or 80s, think about your roles. Hey, Mr. Rylance, if, I don't know... Um, Captain Scarlet people ring up and go, do you want to play the hood in the new Captain Scarlet movie? Say no. Good advice for our favorite listener, Mark Rylance. Mark Rylance, I'm sorry I was so mean about <laughs> the movie you were in. No, I did say that I liked you in it, I think. I think I you did. I already remember. Yeah. He says sorry. He was in the, I heard him in the news today um, because he was, what's what, what to his channel? What is channel? Um, he was speaking about he. You know, if we're on press tours and say wild things because they're on press tours. Yeah, I mean, I would too if I had to say that had to go mm-hmm. through the same interview fifty times. So on the one hand, you've got um, Chris Nolan claiming that he invented the first person, um, <laughs> which is my favorite thing I've read in a long time. Oh my god, it's crazy! <laughs> the most outlandish thing that Chris Nolan's ever said, and he said that he was going to save cinema once, but him saying that he is the first person to write in first person is. Astonishing. But um, Mark Rylance, because I feel that people of certain identities that are more privileged than others sometimes need to invent reasons to be marginalised. So he was talking about how it's difficult nowadays in film to get a start if you're, and it was such a weird claim, if you're a bit different or a bit like moody and hard to work with well yeah i mean like when he was like oh when i started i was like moody and difficult and i was fine but nowadays they expect you to be like easy to work with weird it's harder to get roles yeah that's crazy what what (laughs) you know (laughs) what mark i would also choose the guy that's easy to work with over the the person that's not just wanted wanted to be oppressed apparently just wanted to find a way to be oppressed so there you go um that's mark rylance did your um, weekly mark rylance update would it help wait that was a mark rylance joke that was a mark rylance joke went right over my head i gotta be honest with have you, you. Seen bridge of, have you seen bridge of spies no i haven't would it help he to have seen Bridge of Spies? I bet it would, yeah. Said, then I would understand this. Okay. <laughs> it's a repeated refrain in the movie. He says, would it help? And that's it's kind of like a joke. It's kind of like a Steven Spielberg. What's the... Bon what's, what's your take on the better spy movie? Is it Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy or Bridge of Spies? Well, Bridge of Spies is shit. Uh, okay. Really <laughs> I've seen neither, so... so. <laughs> have you not? I think Tinker Tailor's no. absolutely fantastic. Um, that's a, you should watch that. It's great. I would like to watch it. It's got a great title. Mm. 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 And a good director. I don't remember who directed that. The director of The Snowman, Thomas Alfredson. Oh. Everyone's... Also, the director of Let the Right One In. But, you know. Everyone's more favorite. Notably, everyone's favorite more film. Notably, the Snowman. More notably directed oh Mr. Police, where it gave you all the clues. Oh, it's one of the worst things I've seen. It's, it's, oh, so it's you'll down watch there. The Snowman from Thomas Alfredson, but you won't watch Tinker Tailor Soldier yeah. Spy. Interesting. Well, sometimes you want to watch yeah. a bad movie. Mm, mm, true, true, true. So, if you watch a bad movie, we've got two of those for you today, <laughs> um, which is really, really exciting. So, um, Flaming Heart, because it was accessible, Disney Plus, whatever. Um, and seeing as we 
spoke about the Tetris movie. Yes. And seeing as we cannot stop speaking about film of the year, Air. <laughs> Which I, I keep remarking that we have we talk about Air on seemingly every episode, but we have not actually dedicated any time or a segment to it at all. We just keep any mentioning it, it. Really? There you go. Perfect. It's dead Air. With there's the also air. we didn't talk about it, but there's also Blackberry this year. I don't think you saw that one yet. I did not see that, but people like that. I know that you you saw it. Yeah, I saw it. I don't love it. I don't hate it either. Um, it's okay. closer to Air than Tetris in terms of my ranking. Rank the franchise of Blackberry. Would you put Blackberrying above Blackberry? Yes, obviously okay, I would. Good, probably because of the soundtrack though. Yes, uh, I mean of course. Yeah, also a very good short though. Um, superb soundtrack very good short everyone should watch it i think people that listen to this maybe have watched it already probably if yeah. not watch blackberry um on vimeo i think i think so yeah i say vimeo really, really good and that's not a joke excellent excellent short film really powerful really, really yeah. good and great sound design from last week's um guest host jack yes really good stuff um so flaming hot um annoyingly this whole podcast segment feels redundant now because no critique we can give can measure up to a thing that Cormac let us know yesterday, um, which encapsulates just so perfectly. Oh, it really does. Everything it's... you need to know about the movie. It's just like the most perfect being like, well, yeah, that's that's all you need to know is that on the White House lawn outside, Joe Biden hosted a special screening of Flamin' Hot. Flamin Hot as he thought it was, I guess, of yeah, I should, I should try and pull up the uh, exact quote here. Because um, oh. Cormac first showed us... Hi, Cormac. Um, first showed us an image of lights, orange lights on the White House and two big pictures. I don't know whether two screens. What, so you can just look left and right. And just like, oh, it's over there, it's over there. Of Flaming Heart, which I just presumed was a Photoshop because you can just Photoshop anything on the screen. It's like, hey, that's hilarious. <laughs> but that no. Show Flame, it was like, funny joke. Love that. Laughed. And then I think Comic realised that we thought it was a joke and then posted the actual tweet of Joe Biden talking about that. I was like, oh, I thought that was a joke. Yeah, I like that in this initial picture, like the, <laughs> the lights on the White House are like red and orange. <laughs> It's lit up like a Cheeto. Um, yeah, here's the here's the quote from President Joe Biden. Uh, Last night, we hosted a screaming of flame and hot at the White House, a film that tells a story about the power of opportunity, a cornerstone in our democracy, and exactly what the Hispanic American community embodies. Which, <laughs> which would be maybe close to true if the movie wasn't entirely a total lie. <laughs> Nothing in the movie is true. Um, I guess parts right, of it maybe are, but let's deal with the elephant in the room because I I'm a bit more cautious to talk about it as 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 broadly as that um, in terms of what's lie and what's truth. So first of all, say we 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 realistically don't know, um, and the things all saying it's a lie are the company's internal investigation into itself. So true. Um, I am unsurprised, and also there is a long history, a very long history, of companies. Um, or the later management of companies denying ownership to non-white people, basically. Um, yeah. So I have I have a little bit of skepticism about. I, okay. I, I I do I think anything in this movie is true? No, because the the film doesn't seem true in my story because none right. of it seems believable as a story. Um, Absolutely. But I don't think it's as cut and dry as. It's not that I don't think that. I just don't think that we can know that. Um, That's fair. So yeah. I think 
critiquing the film as being like this is just lights I think is misguided um, I, I think we should just treat the film as what is there and say we don't know the veracity of this and that being the case I feel the, what the film should have done is like gra- grab the strap of that thing of being like this is my story of this is my version of events right. this is how I see things and would make it already a much better film it would give it a bit of a subjective edge it would give it right. something it would give it a perspective which it severely lacks it would not take much to make this a much better film. Um, no. But that's how, and that's how I started my review when I was writing about it. I was like, even if we let, like, let's set aside the yeah. fact that even if this is all a complete lie, like, the film is terrible for a, a host of other reasons that have nothing to do with the story being true or not, which is just kind of like, yeah. that's like a bonus thing of like, it kind of takes the weight out of the story if none of it's true anyway. Yeah, which there is a discussion, though, isn't there, of like what is what is the responsibility of the the biographical filmmaker, um, and I don't know what you think about this. I think realistically, I think my thought is most people will only ever access this version of the story. Um, Absolutely. Therefore, I, I therefore I think it is um, incumbent on people making these works to be as truthful as possible while still making cinema. Um, while still making something that works cinematically and you need to make concessions to work cinematically I think the best cinematic takes on on non-fiction change things to make it make more sense or to get to the subjective truth of the story because yes. how things are experienced are the same as things that are objectively laid out um, I, like for example how a frequently done thing is that you'll get a, a oh, what's, what's in the term for it of when you like a construct or you get characters together to like of, of one character like this character actually involves oh, like yeah, yeah. five different mean. people right. um and, and 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 that usually works it's like we didn't have time to have the five different right. people that said no for several reasons but this person is representative and that's useful semantic shorthand because it helps you be truthful in the thing um i think one of the many issues with flaming heart which is a bad movie i don't think i hate it as much as you because i just i just i feel so little about it i can't remember myself to particularly despise it because i think it's just <laughs> which yeah i think that's fair it was mostly like planned i think um, i initially felt the same way and then i started writing about it and like as i was writing yeah. about it i was getting more and more angry and then by the end i was like i just hate this movie <laughs> like I... yeah i i, I and, and that is the beauty of writing sometimes and i can i could i could write myself into that right um certainly and i think i was i was more forgiving of certain elements in my writing of it than you are and i think your writing of it was really astute and, and really well put and you made some points i was like yeah i wish i, I wish i had made that point um but to give it the vague overview, and for those that don't know, so this is this is the story of a a man who, I mean, fundamentally, this is the story. A man gets a job at Frito Lay, um, uh, an entry level position as a janitor on the factory floor, um, and struggles to get that job. Um, we see their life beforehand, uh, kind of pointlessly. We see their childhood, kind of pointlessly. Um, yeah, and. The entire story is that later they become the boss. That's yeah, that's pretty much it. I mean, it's it's like the important background details, I guess, of like the childhood is like he's always been good at selling things, but then that's also not really the point of the movie. It's relevant. It's just like it's just like a vague like he has business acumen, but then he didn't. Mm. You know, he's a dropout and he didn't make it through school, so it's like said like he's uneducated and he was in but the the wrong crowd and. 
So he gets rejected by all these employers until he finally gets a job at Frito-Lay. What a benevolent, beautiful company that you could work for. Yeah, it's very much like that. Um, Obviously, I have um, broad political issues, (laughs) um, unsurprisingly. Um, I think the main one is... The, how it refigures a key plot point. So I think that happens part way through is severe economic downturn. It might be a recession. I don't really know this, exactly. Yeah, this is like, the thing that um, that really like bothered me. Is it takes mm. like this the the Reagan era and takes like yeah. his destruction of the American economy and then somehow manages to turn it around to you should support your corp- corporations more. Yeah. So it, it takes this plot point um, and historical point of the economic downturn, economic destruction, um, meant the company felt like it had to lay off certain members of staff that they thought were disposable, um, which reflects the way they view labour, they view certain people, right. um, which is a very, very interesting point. And it takes that and it presents it as an opportunity for advancement for one person. Um, and it also reframes the person that made the decision to fire those people as this boss looking out for people that is waiting for the next big person and is like broadly benevolent and yeah it, like it, it, it frames it as a we had this thing like no you did not that's not right. a thing that you had to do and it shows that you don't that you don't care um, yeah it it really goes out of its way to frame the ceo as a great guy who's doing great things and mm. it's it's just with no evidence for that like it, right. it doesn't do a single great thing um but yeah, like the whole thing is like because of the economic downturn, they have to their hours are cut, and so they're you know they're struggling yeah. more. But I think my larger problem, even beyond that, is like it says that they're struggling more, but at no point is there yeah. really ever any struggle in the movie. That's kind of the whole thing is that they say that like oh I mean you know I had a hard life and I was struggling and you know how are we going to pay the bills? But there's there's never actually any conflict within that. It's just like no. everything he gets past almost immediately and it's fine. It's like obviously there were people that were actually struggling, but this movie's not yeah. sh- actually taking any well, yeah, consideration this, this, to show this, that. This is like authorized Fritillet puff piece. Yeah, what I mean, and literal, literal puff because they're cheese puffs. Nice. Um, but do, do, do you know what film I fought the most of while watching this in terms of its depiction of? Um, kind of like ground level workers. I can't tell if I should be bracing for a joke or if I should be expecting no. a real comparison. No, I don't know what you were th- thinking. Uh, Nomadland, generally. Nomadland. Oh, yeah, that's that's um, totally fair. In in the terms of it has this idea of it takes what we know are really horrible conditions yeah. and specifically targeted against certain communities, and it frames it as this is a good job if you can get it, and it's a good job to keep. And there is advancement of possibility here. It goes more into advancement than Nomad Lad. Nomad Lad is more like, this is stability, this is something. And this is just like, this is the... It's it's the the outmoded myth of social progression through hard work. Yeah. And the problem with cinema, um, and this is an, an, like a parental issue that I don't know how you can get out of, is to be worthy of a story, it has to be an outlying thing. Because otherwise, it's not worthy of a story. Yes. But the moment you make it into a story, you make it seem commonplace. And I think that's like an inherent paradox of these stories. Yeah, of very much. He comes across as the aspirational everyman, even though the reason there is a film about him is because this never happens. And that is such a difficult thing. Because you watch this and it, it becomes this parable inherently because cinema works as parable, because you bring experience to it. It becomes a parable as work hard and succeed, even though the literal narrative of the film is point proven of this doesn't happen, that's why there's a film about it. And not Um, only that, but I feel like his hard work never actually 
pays off for him at all. Like, I, I, I think the, the entire movie is, like, encapsulated within, like, the last ten minutes because he invents the Flamin' Hot Cheeto. It's a huge success. He has to get, like, all of his friends and family to, like, push them to the community so that they become more popular and whatever. And then it's a huge success. And then he goes back to being a janitor at the factory. And he is expecting to just continue being a worker at that factory. He's gained nothing from his product idea that he gave to the CEO. He still has to, you know, he's still expecting to work his ass off to get promoted to yeah. the, the slightly higher position that he's going to get. And the only reason he gets anything is because the, the CEO is nice enough to give him a job yeah, upstairs. It, it, exactly. And, it, and it, it seems to be like this favor the, 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 the great give you to succeed. Yeah. So even as like a, a, you know, a parable of hard work or whatever, it's like, it's not really though, because he did all this work and it's mm. just because he, the CEO was nice. It's just like, it's such the wrong message. It's also so bad at like presenting what work is and what hard work looks like. Um, it definitely presents everyone else as kind of like failures for not taking the opportunities that that he does. Uh, there's this idea that if more people were like him and had initiative, and went above and went above and beyond, yeah. then they'd succeed. And that is such a toxic um, myth in 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 the labor in, in the workplace the moment yeah. of the idea that you need to work beyond your job, otherwise you do not deserve what your job is that your job is actually three stages above your job um whereas the actual rest of the staff are just doing the thing that they should be paid for and that's seen as being like a bad thing and right they are like narratively punished for that i guess i mean like well that's why you don't progress because you just do your job and just doing your job is not enough you must give everything to the company right. and you're constantly trying to move on um which is really damaging really damaging yeah, and then, I mean, and this is also, like, what I mentioned in my review, but, like, that, that very final scene, like, he gives that whole speech about how he's, like, it's so amazing because he was just a j lowly janitor and now he's a, a big wigs, like, you know, executive, yeah. and it's like, but this isn't what, because it just seems like all of it, all that this film is telling me is that this cycle just repeats no matter what. Like, he is this guy who's come from nothing, and it's yeah. great, it's amazing, now he's an executive, and now he's just in the same position, and it doesn't show anything that he's done to, like, help anybody yeah. at the company and i'm like okay so the goal is to just become an executive and then do nothing like everybody else because like air for example which i i, I do really like air and the more i think about it, the more <laughs> I like that. then this movie shows me why i like air and i think i go back to the reason that i think air is good because there is political concerns of it there is that one scene that's really gross where they talk about like child labor and they just like hand wave it away um and exploitative labor and hand wave away but the reason why air works is it contextualizes what this deal actually means and it means more than the deal itself yeah. of there is something here about a about specifically black athletes rights to their image and the idea of the appropriation of blackness and and that's an interesting sub point and i think ben affleck is smart enough to know that he can't overeg that point because it's not his point to make um and i feel yeah. the film is very very good at being like here was this idea at the side whereas you're right all this one has is is i became manager you're like okay yeah, and it, I mean, Air also makes cool. a good point of, like, the importance of actually being paid for, like, your likeness being used in perpetuity and not just, like, mm. taking that, that lump sum and that's enough and then they can just profit off of you forever. And so, like, there's stuff like that. But I think, for me, it's, like, the the wider thing is there's plenty of stuff that's corporate propaganda and it's going yeah. to exist, and that's fine. I mean, it's not fine, but, like, it's going to exist, <laughs> and... 
ultimately, if it's a good movie, I'm going to care less. The problem is this yeah. is just a bad movie. It's just not good. Even yes. if we put all aside all of our, you know, political concerns with it, it's just not good. There's nothing interesting. I think he's really bad. I think the lead is, is, yeah, he's is not great. really unconvincing. And, and, and I, I really don't like picking out singular actors because I also think it's much more complicated than that because it's so much down to direction, the wider production, and, and, and just like wider factors. And it's feels wrong sometimes to to pick an individual like that but i it, i think it's a bad performance and the film hangs on it and i think my biggest issue with the film is not political my biggest issue is the intrusiveness of the entire movie and most of that is he is never 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 not expositing yeah. so when he is not on screen literally he's giving narration and there is no room for you as a viewer anywhere of not being talked at constantly and which i know is an ironic thing saying in the podcast because we're talking about <laughs> it now um but it's he's either on screen doing his shtick or he's narrating what is happening to you on screen, and it's it's suffocating. It's well, it's like if every five minutes in this podcast it cut out, and then I told you what was happening in the podcast, and I explained to you how I was talking like to Stephen about Flame and Hot. Like what? Like the hateful eight. Oh, I haven't seen the hateful eight since it came out. Is that what happens in that movie? There's that bit in the hateful eight where Quentin Tarantino's character or someone like does a thing, and then it no, no, sorry, here's what happens: where someone does this like sleight of hand switch roofing, and then Quentin Tarantino oh, no, takes right. on the character as the narrator to explain why what happened was clever. Like Quentin, this would be clever if you didn't explain it. Um, right. You going? What you may not know is like. What? Why do the whole side of having like right. you may not have seen, but by the way, <laughs> uh, maybe absolutely sucks. I wonder um, if the but... oh wow, interesting. I haven't seen it. Yeah, I haven't seen it since it came out, so I should probably rewatch it at some point. I wonder if that extended cut is any better. I don't know. I mean, it's already I've long only enough as it seen is, but... the extended cut. I think, oh really? Because the episodic I went one. To the road the road show by accident because it had an interval partway through, um, and I was just like, it's a bold choice of an interval because Emma and I were like, should we just leave? Should we leave? Oh wow. Um, you just yeah, left, huh? Yeah. We, we we considered leaving, and then we're like, oh, oh, okay. we, should, we should watch the second other movie. Um, but some people left, definitely. Um, it was a you know, decent interval, and I was like, this movie's been bad so far. And, um, <laughs> yeah, and then it got even worse from that point on. But this is not the... This is not a Hateful Eight podcast. Hateful Eight podcast. The Hateful Eight. <laughs> hate, hate, the hate hour of hate about the Hateful Eight. Um, yeah. Yeah, not, it's bad. It is. It is very bad. Yeah, I don't have. Don't think I, I have much more to that, say about it. But that years passing montage was hilariously bad in terms of like filmic language. They kept like superimposing numbers of like the years. Oh yeah, which I just thought was really funny. It's just like um, totally unnecessary. Like when that's not really been used at all, and then in the middle there's like all of the eighties go by in five seconds, and you're like, why did this need to happen? There's an office hours coming up soon that might be out in this releases where Jack and I talk about polite society. And I talk about there this idea of like how in Rye Lane I was really complimentary about the film's cinematic flourishes. And in polite society I find it a bit irritating because it feels like technique and flash for the sake of flash without like an underpinning mm. of here's why this is being done. And Flame and Heart is a, a flashy, zippy movie in a ways that are really irritating. Yeah. Of just like, stop Adam McKaying this and just as a straight. I mean, there's no story here worth telling, fundamentally. No. But if it was more conventional and had a more like objective, serious lens, it would be more interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I think that's, that's pretty much all there is to say about Flame and Heart. It's not good. It's bad. It's bad. Um, we also watched The Little Mermaid, so I went to the cinema to this. Now, Vaughn, you guys help me out here. Okay. What happens in the first ten minutes of The Little Mermaid? 
the first ten minutes of The Little Mermaid. Um, yes. Well, uh, For, I did not see them. You didn't see them. Okay, you were mm. you were late to the cinema. Uh, well, well, this is the thing. So this is a problem moment. So um, oh, I've not said this on, on the podcast yet, but um, of the so the difficulty moment of life is busy because um, Emma is, is is pregnant, as I've not mentioned on the podcast yet, but it is true. Um, we are halfway to the, the completion of something. And congratulations. Um, and also, thank you, thank you. And also, you know, young puppy, which means it's it's it's, it's harder to leave the house for a right. period of times for a variety of complex reasons. And this movie's long, two and a quarter hours, um, especially as the original was an hour and a half. Uh, Not even, an hour and a half. yeah. Yeah, hour 29. Um, so, watching the entire movie is actually like, we are not, probably shouldn't leave the dog for this long, and also it was late night showing, and Emerson, you know, it's tired, etc., doing a lot. Um, so, we left when the movie started, as in when it's credited to start, and then we hope we get there in time oh, to I catch see. it, but we were delayed getting there, um, and we were delayed leaving because it was difficult to leave. So we arrived and sat down just before um, Halle Bailey um, started singing Part of Your World, which was a beautiful song, um, and wonderfully sung, but that's where we started the film. So okay. what did I miss? Uh, well, the first ten minutes is the... It starts with the scene on the boat, the ship, with Prince Eric, okay. and they're throwing harpoons at the mermaids. Please, please, Prince... please. Everyone just calls him Eric in the film, not Prince Eric, which I find hilarious every time. Like, <laughs> it's hey, just Eric. Eric. <laughs> I like it when, like, King Triton is just like, hey, Eric. I'm like, because usually it's like, Mr. Blah, blah. He's like, hey, Eric. I'm like, it was just Eric. <laughs> um, like, Ariel, Triton, Eric. So they're on the ship, and then it goes underwater, and King Triton's got all of his, the mermaids, uh, except Ariel, ah. who's missing. And she goes to the shipwreck with Flounder, and they what get chased the by the shark. Okay, what are the mermaids doing? Sitting. Interesting. So, right, <laughs> They're so just sitting I, in a circle. I, cool. So I watched um, The Little Mermaid today, yes. the original. Um, so I was watching the first 10 minutes, and I went, I wonder how much this in the film. And I've not seen The Little Mermaid since I was very, very young. Same. And I think an issue with this is that... So when I reflect on my favourite Disney movies, Disney kind of like animated movies, mm. my go-to as a kid was always Robin Hood. Um, okay. Because I just really liked it. But I think if I was to interrogate that, of why it's not like The Little Mermaid or Sleeping Beauty or Snow White, which are obviously fabulous films, I think there is this internalisation that they were always pitched as these are the films for girls because of the princess movies. Right. So I don't know if I really watched The Little Mermaid that much, apart from yeah, that maybe Yeah, I would probably time. say the same. Um, I'm watching it again today. I was like, this movie is fabulous. Like, it is such a, a brilliant piece of animation. The, the songs are staggeringly brilliant, and it's such a, a great, simple, succinct tale and so cohesive. Um, so, I, I'm actually really interested in rewatching these, like, short shrift princess films that mm. were so seen as being like, these are for girls. Because I bet if I rewatch Robin Hood, I'd be like, this is fine. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I should. Be a favorite. I should go back and watch a lot of those those Disney movies as well. I wanted to watch um, the original Little Mermaid and didn't, um, which Stephen pointed out was a choice I made, and I <laughs> not like yes. a lack of time. And he's right; I could have watched it, and I just didn't. <laughs> I watched Demolition Man um, instead, I guess. I've um, seen that. Um, so I could have done that. Weird um, movie. So there's a profound difference 
between the two and there are quite a few differences and i think it's a worthwhile conversation for us to go through the things that change it so okay. i think our overall view is is, is quite similar so I, give me I your, before we go into differences okay give me your potted view of because i've not written about this yet so i'm going to write a post for when this podcast is live um so what's your quick review summary of what you think about the little mermaid um well i actually wrote a couple of short notes that i mean we can dig more yeah. into um it's just kind of ugly it doesn't look very good um it's just kind of the whole thing is not very cohesive i think it's a lot of performances that i like that are not served by writing um and the parts that uh shine and that i like are just the things that are from the original anyway so i don't know why it matters yeah and i completely agree so i i think it's a a perfunctory film um i think it's core issue which i was wondering if i'd have this issue with with the original and it's not there at all is the central theme of this film is about prejudice and separation and how there should not be prejudice and separation um which is which is a great theme um and enforced visually i think visually the film enforces prejudice and separation because when i was on the on land sequence which i think is the best part of the film i quite enjoyed the on land sequence because it looks normal (laughs) but you can't imagine the things you've seen underwater interacting with this place it feels wrong when those things arrive and that feels incongruous to the actual message of the film i was watching those bits and like the i think the kiss the girl scene is actually really good um yeah and i was having a lot of fun in in some of those sequences though i think that eric is a derp and kind of boring um but he is a boring derp so it's fine um and I was like, I cannot imagine Ursula being here in this world. And right. this is my Javier Bardem can't swim theory. So he looks so he uncomfortable looks at the end. Like just treading water. He looks terrified. Yeah. Every time the underwater world interacts with the surface, I'm like, no, put it away. Don't it, go. There. It looks bad. Yeah. No, you're totally right. The two the two things do not seem like they fit together at all. It's it's basically two Which completely really different worlds. That's, yeah. That's Which... the entire point of the film. <laughs> Right, and watching the cartoon, they flow together perfectly. Of like, these things, which feel makes sense. cohesive, and, and that's why the film works. Oh, it's like these things should be united. Um, so I thought I thought that was interesting. Um, so yeah, we we are broadly in alignment on on the film itself. So there is a few interesting changes the film makes. So one is to really expand out um, Eric's kind of like background and role because it doesn't need to be longer and be a film, and I think it's is lesser for it that. Should not be. But... Um, yeah. So. And from this comes two choices, right? So, obviously, we're not going to get into the racist backlash against the movie because it's not working airtime to. But the racist backlash does inform other decisions. I think there's a weird optics thing in this film where Mm. they've made a good effort to kind of, like, theme this place as being like a Caribbean island. Yeah. Um, And they've gone out of their way to make it kind of, like, just very clearly diverse um and the optics are strange when you have a british coated white prince (laughs) talking about his want to to go explore and to find places and bring back trinkets and it generally must be because one he looks he does look as as emma said he looks a lot like eric he looks a lot like that cartoon and it must be like We've got to keep him like that, though. We can't not have him like that. Yeah. Because we're getting so much hate about this mermaid change. We've got to keep him the same. Yeah, you definitely have to wonder, like, how those conversations happen. If that was, like, 
a conscious decision or if it was just like it feels like it yeah because right because the whole thing is they cast someone else as ariel she's great it doesn't matter because she's got a great voice she does but but then why are you why does it matter then to have this guy that looks exactly like eric from the cartoon like what um and the other interesting thing so melissa mccarthy what did you think of melissa mccarthy um i thought her performance was good and she looked terrible is yeah. what I think. Um, I, I completely agree, yeah. So she looks terrible and the performance is good. And the point that I would make is, yes, the performance is good, but I think a different performance would be better. So as you may or may not know, I'm sure you do know, um, the original design of Ursula is inspired by Divine. Um, I don't think I did know that, but that is, makes perfect sense. Um, which is why there's been a controversy about the makeup use this film mm. so it's just s- some random um straight white dude who i'm sure is a, like a very talented um worthwhile makeup artist but as opposed to getting someone that specializes in drag makeup right. he's got here's the makeup artist and and, and i think it tells uh, it, the, the look is bad and fundamentally though Melissa mccarthy is good an actual drag performer in the role would have been better yeah. and would have been more fitting um, and yes, the optics about like what you're doing the, about the villain, but there is such like it's such a pantomime villain that it right. would have been part of like a, a reclaiming like fun role. Um, and in this age of the overwhelming mainstream popularity of RuPaul's Drag Race, there are like twenty queens in that show, like household names. You could just show this movie and would give it like right. fam who are bigger than Melissa McCarthy right now. She is not bringing anyone to a film anymore. No, definitely. Whereas I don't there know if she ever multi- really did, but you, you put back of chips in this people are coming to see it um like more notable name realistically but i think again the decision is we're getting so much flack over this one mermaid cast decision these are our two safe choices yeah no i think that's i think that's fair yeah but i I also do wonder i mean really i think it's like no matter who you put in that role it's just not going to look good because just the live action design of it is just it doesn't look right and it's just it comes back to it just not making sense generally. I mean, it doesn't matter what anyone says because they're going to keep making these, but it's just like the, the mm-hmm. translation of all of these basically to live action, Just it, it, it's just not cohesive. It doesn't work. There's a reason yeah, that these fair. things were animated. The 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 one that worked and I thought was really good is I think Cinderella is a really good live action movie and because well, there is yeah, I did, that, that story, it's, it's just really good. Yeah, um, I did want to get kind of your, your general thoughts on the live action remakes i haven't seen very many of them i don't know how many you've seen i think i would think that you have maybe more uh, knowledge of them than i do but i've seen a chunk i've seen more than i thought i had so i've, I've i saw cinderella which i thought was really great actually I think that's, that's, um jungle book of it was good i liked the i did see that one and i do like the um, yeah i do like the jungle book remake lion king i thought was terrible didn't see that yeah. um i didn't watch um the Guy Ritchie one. Aladdin. Um, I didn't watch the Tim Burton one. <laughs> Dumbo. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm very cautiously optimistic about the um, Barry Jenkins Lion King prequel. Mm. Interesting choice, and... for sure. But I'm definitely more like, he seems like a more interesting pick that could do something more interesting. But and, I always like, I always original it's not just he's right. the lion king again it's it's what can we do it's like that there's something there um does maleficent count i guess it does it's on this list but it feels different i mean cruella's on this list I've which seen is also both like those. Not they're really... bad i feel cruella is bad um sorry ruben um um 
There's the, the the Pinocchio remake that came out last year that I did not see. I watched. I have not logged that on Letterboxd. I've watched half that movie. Oh, okay. Um, and I just. That's telling enough, liked. I think, that you didn't finish it. <laughs> Never about um, Didn't see Mulan or Lady in the Tramp. I don't know. Did, if I saw did saw Mulan. Didn't see Mulan. Mulan. Mulan was absolutely terrible. Okay. Um, <laughs> Lady in the Tramp, I forgot existed. Yeah, that was I've like a direct seen... to Disney Plus. Yeah, I've not seen Peter and Wendy yet, but I think Emma and I are going to watch that this week because I do mm. really want to watch Peter and Wendy because I like David Lowry. I like David this is how they Lowry trick too. you, though. This is how they trick you that they, right. they attach. If you actually, if you've got the upcoming slate of things here, because I it's just names attached to movies, and some of them are hilarious. There's, you'll find my, you'll know what my favorite one is. Upcoming live action Disney because it's just a list of directors. They're bringing Guy Ritchie back for another, which is funny. But you'll find my favorite thing of being like this director. I'm like, really? Why? Okay, so we've got Aladdin's. Disney may be developing as many as three offshoots of 2019's Aladdin. Mm-hmm. One will be a direct sequel, director, director Guy Ritchie. Um, I think calling him a director. A spin off focused on Billy Magnuson's character, Prince Anders. Okay, uh, Lion King 2, even though I guess it's a prequel. Moonlight's Barry Jenkins. Okay. Yeah, that one's funny, but Bambi. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, and who's directing Bambi? I don't have a director listed here. It just has the. Oh, writers. look up who it is! Look up who it is! Okay, because that's the one. Okay, Bambi remake director. Sarah Pauly. That's right. <laughs> what? Oh man, what a Why? choice! <laughs> Stories we tell about our dead mothers. Oh no, I'm gonna keep going down this list because it's interesting. Um, and then you've got Hercules directed by oh God, Anthony and Joe if Russo. Like a, oh. if she, what if she remakes Bambi like it's stories we tell of like Bambi and like finding out the story about about Bambi's mother and the real story behind that? Like via like no way it will be, but... inquisitive documentary. Oh man, that is Hercules from the Russos is like the most bummer thing I've heard. That's that's not. I just, we just watched um, the eighties. Yet to make a good movie. That's a lie. I like Winter Soldier. <laughs> Winter Soldier is good. Um, yeah, we just good. watched it's, it's, it's um, the Hercules, the eighties movie, uh, Hercules eighties movie um, by Luigi Cosi, which is fantastic with Lou Ferrigno. Um, is it as good as Hercules Blood and Sound? The TV series. A TV series. I've not seen Hercules. It's bad. <laughs> Sounds bad. Um, Anyway, the Russos are not going to do anything as interesting as could be with uh, Hercules as a character. Um, a Robin Hood live action. He'll be Chris. Um, it'll be Chris Pine. It'll be Chris Pine. No, directed, be Chris Evans. Sorry, Chris Evans will be Hercules, is my guess. God, I mean, I'd like Chris Evans, but I don't know if he's the Hercules. It's the Russos. He, he, they, they will cast him. No, you're right. Um, Robin Hood, directed by Carlos Lopez Estrada of Who Blind Spotting, and <laughs> what was it? Was it? Um, the what was the, the Disney movie oh. he directed the dragon movie what was that no Pete's dragon was David Lowry no the I can't remember the name for some reason I'm, the what was it Ray and the Last Dragon yes that's the one he directed that oh oh my god there's another great one coming up look who's directing the Robin Hood first of all what is the Robin Hood remake going to be I don't know but look who's directing it Wait, look who's directing what? That's what I just told you. The Robin Hood remake. Robin Hood. Are remake. we looking at different Robin Hood remakes? Oh, wait, no, maybe it's not Robin Hood. Is it Aristocats then? Maybe, oh, it's Aristocats. There's an Aristocats. 
Yeah. I don't even. This list is way too long. Yeah, look, look up who's, who's look up who's directing the Aristocats. Um, oh my god! Oh, this is not even on this list. Uh, Google it or Bing it. Aristocats remake. I'm duck duck going it. Um, Quest love. Cards against humanity. It's just yeah. like it's just like a, a random. Like they're hitting roulette on like a just who wants to direct. It's this? just random names of people that have made films recently that people liked. John Chu is going to direct the Lilo and Stitch remake. I mean, these but these aren't going to happen, right? It's like it's, yeah, you wonder how like many fifty fifty. Yeah, there is so many know. so many things on this list. I don't even know this director. They're doing a Sword in the Stone remake. A Tinkerbell movie. Oh, this list is too long, and I've had I think enough Thomas of this. <laughs> Thomas Alfredson. Yeah, okay. We like, should do the the Tinker Tailor movie. I'd love that. Tinkerbell there movie. Go. Sorry. Tinkerbell movie. Tinker. <laughs> Tinkerbell soldier spy. <laughs> there you go. We were looping round. Yeah, to, that whole conversation was to get to um, that point. I don't remember how we got how we got to that or how we started that so conversation. Anyway, I was going to talk about. I was, well, there you go. A lot of action makes the pointless. Um, so there is a, there is a choice this film makes early on, which that works for the film, but also has a severe issue with it. Okay. So when watching the original today, I was struck by Sebastian being very different in the original film. Um, okay. Which is why I asked about the first ten minutes, so I might maybe I missed this. But in the original film, Sebastian is introduced as the court composer, and that that is his role. So he is there as as the composer for the king. And he is a musician, and he is showing off his grand performance, which is all the mermaid sisters performing, and all Ariel isn't there, and he's annoyed because Ariel has ruined his thing. And he's like, someone needs to keep keep a track on this girl, someone needs to look after her. And then Triton's like, oh, it could be you. So he is not Ariel's friend, and that's an important dynamic of the movie. Um, so he's like Salieri in Amadeus. There you go. <laughs> so in this movie instead, what they do is they turn, because it's one of the best performances in the film, they turn yes. Sebastian into kind of like plucky best friend character, um, which is a decent refitting of that character and makes for a good Sebastian. The problem is, is it makes Flounder completely pointless. He is Flounder in the movie. He has so no pointless. point in being in the film. No. Um, and he's supposed to be Ariel's best friend. And he's a lovely character in the original. And he's really cute and cool and adorable. And you've got that kid from the Book of Henry playing him, famously. He flounder just looks ridiculous it's just like one of those things yeah. where it's like in cartoons it makes sense he's like a bright little fish and he swims mm. around and then when you just are looking at a, <laughs> an actual fish talking and it's just like this looks weird but do you reckon that's again why i feel like there's so many like choices mandated by them being their hands twisted i mean like well the crab looks okay so let's amp up the crab because we can <laughs> right. have this fish because this fish looks bad and cannot be as talkative yeah, Sebastian works kind of. I mean, he he's better than I would say mm. all of the other animal friends. I mean, yeah. Scuttle looks fine, I guess. It's just literally a bird. Scuttle's fine. Like, <laughs> um, but the Scuttle, the Scuttle Sebastian dynamic is is totally new for this film, really, in terms of like what's going on there. Oh, okay. They are not as like pally pally. Um, it's like you know, it's more that she is friends with Scuttle because Scuttle reports on things about mm, the world. Right. Um, and it's a very different take on the character. I mean, I don't hate Agrafina's take on the character. I, I do think it is hilarious that Lima Miranda, of course, writes a rap song for the movie, and David Diggs just sits there. It's just so it's, that was like the most infuriating scene for me. It, it, I mean, I just 
I don't. I, I also agree with you. I don't hate Aquafina. I don't have any problem. Like some people, just like really hate dislike her. Which, I she's mean, fine. There's, there's stuff about like blacks and stuff, which has been written about by much better people than I, and is worth looking into. Um, yeah, I mean that's, that's totally alluding to totally um, valid criticism. I, I think my problem is just more that she's everywhere, and I'm just like I can't watch mm. like any of these you know recent Disney things without hearing Aquafina all the time, and I'm just like I would like a break from this character that's always the same in every role she plays, which yeah. is a little it's just a little grating. And that rap I is think Renfield terrible. was the the idea the there of being like, why are you in Renfield? Right. What is this? You are you are you are bad in this. Um, yeah, the movie's it's, it's just not very good, is it? And it it looks really, really ugly. And I think underwater movies are very difficult. Um, yeah. It's hard to make underwater look good in live action. I think, like, the only underwater movie that... I mean, unless you're my boy James making underwater movies, um, it's yeah. not looking good, is it? I mean, James Wan's Aquaman was quite fun. Okay. That's a, nice. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> I mean, but do you really think that the... <laughs> Do you really think that the underwater stuff in Avatar looks bad? Yeah, I do. I generally do. Um, oh, okay. Like, legitimately, I, I would not necessarily um, agree, but I also don't have much of an opinion on Avatar 2 anyway. Looks, I also think the stuff in James Wan's Aquaman looks bad, but okay. it's fun bad. <laughs> like, well, it worked for the joke, so that's fine. Like, it looks fun bad. Um, whereas, yeah, I, 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 underwater stuff looks bad, um, although Avatar is an animated film, um, but the, uh, yeah. the animation pulls off so beautifully i think the under the sea sequence and because that that song is great it's such a great song yeah um, that is a great song i would say that's probably it, my favorite that and the the kiss the girl sequence are probably the better the better scenes i mean the kiss the girl sequence is really good yeah um i think the under the sea sequence is a good song and a terrible sequence oh um, really because it just looks stupid of every kid just keeps cutting the things and they just look bad every time and watching the original today there is a whole sequence they cut out of the song <laughs> Which is a variety of says so like a bass playing the bass um, is a gang. It's a variety oh, yeah. of fish playing different instruments, and they must be like, yeah, we just can't do that. That's gonna look terrible. So they are so constrained by this live action stuff that is cutting this yeah. out. And it's not even live action at this point. It's just it's because it's CG will never look as good as hand animation because it's not technology yeah. limited in that same way. Exactly. You can just up-res it. I mean, there are points where it doesn't look great, but you can up-res it. Whatever. Um, Whereas this is always going to look a bit dodgy because of the technology, right. and it just looks bad, yeah, that's, limited, silly. That's really what it comes down to: is because of the constraints of "quote unquote" live action CGI, you have to remove a lot mm. of the stuff that makes these original films charming. And yep. because they're spending two hundred million dollars on this huge remake, they have to make it longer, which means they have to add in stuff that's worse. Yeah. So it's just like this this doubling effect of. You're removing the stuff that was great the first time, and you're adding in more stuff that doesn't play well against the original stuff that you're pulling from. Like all of these great songs, the great songs in the movie are just great because yeah. they were great when you yeah. know in the '89 film, and the new songs don't fit well next to it at all. You've got all of these like beautiful ballads, and then you've got a rap song that just is so obviously written by Lin Manuel Miranda. Yeah, I, I, here's a shameful admission though. I didn't, I, 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 I didn't hear that song. I didn't hear that song. Oh, I did not I, like, like it at all. I was not a fan. Th lyrically, I thought it was kind of fun, um, and I don't usually like his lyrical style particularly at all. But I'll, but I'll I, agree I, with I you. The central, I thought the central gag of it was funny, and I thought it was even funnier that if he digs instead of being like, also here, I guess, also here. Which, I think was probably like my frustration as I'm watching Aquafina do a rap while David digs just standing there, and I'm like, come on. <laughs> This this is like, like one of the best the best rappers right now. 
<laughs> oh. Aquafina like, you know, take this track, this one's yours. And Rana being like, I wrote a track just for Aquafina. And he's like, really? For real? For real? Yeah, I'm, it's... Like, we, we were in Hamilton together, like, you know, like, really? You know I can do this. David is the best part yeah. of the fi- He carried me through it, I gotta admit. He was, yeah. he was my favorite he's, thing. He He's good. But, so the ending sequence um, made me think about a thing that Jack said on the podcast last oh, time. Oh, yeah which um, he spoke about the ending sequence of Spider-Man Across Spider-Verse, about all of these spider-peoples and persons climbing up this, like, mm. train thing to nowhere. And he very strictly said, if this is a live-action film, I bet I'd be like, this is just too much overload stuff. Um, but in animation, it just works. Yeah. And I thought about that as I watched the last sequence, because the last sequence I was just like, what the... Just like, <laughs> what is going on? Like, this giant fish lady. So like, just ugly. It just looks ugly and awful and, and terrible. And... Jack made the money of like the, the yeah. animation already has you suspend disbelief, so right. you can you can That's pull it. off stuff really brilliantly, and the uncanny valley verisimilitude is is always going to be there, being like this just looks bad. Yeah, yeah, no, one hundred percent. It's it's totally it. That, and that was kind of my thought throughout as well. As I'm like, there's a reason that this stuff works when it's animated. There is you know silliness and you know, but when you just translate it to live action, it's it's just like yeah. it's so much more. It stands out so much more, and it's so much more obvious that like you're in this kind of false world and it's just like it, it, you need to heighten the fantasy and this is too grounded while you've also got talking fish and it's just like what am i looking yeah, at and, and, and they're singing that it's better under the sea i'm like please can we leave the sea the sea is horrible <laughs> i want to be up there on land land is fine um but so in the original there is like a garden of tortured souls that ursula has which is like really kind of visually evocative if you see these like just you know that bit in um, Artorius of the Abyss, the Dark Souls DLC. No. Okay. Well, <laughs> well, there's like all these like walking around like humanity, like walking around oh, just okay. like down in this abyss, and it's just like we don't you don't want to be down there. Um, it's just these kind of like just semi beings just like writhing in agony forever, and it's a really cool visual. You can't do that in live action because you're scarring children. Like you, right. you just you just can't, and, and they just just don't. So there is this like implicit threat in the film, in the animated film, that if you if you lose this bargain, you become one of my soulless nobodies, Kingdom Hearts like down here forever. Um and that works. And here they literally can't do the cool dark stuff because animation yeah. lets you do things like that yeah and, and because i don't have like a great memory of the original it's like a part a lot of parts of it i was like i don't know like how much of this is you know faithful but like that is how i felt throughout is i was like ursula just doesn't really seem like a villain very like aside from the fact that we're told that she is and she is she mean she and song. she has she a, a song, song. She doesn't. There's not really any characterization to her. She's just kind of there, and you're like, "What were you doing before this?" And she just kind of exists, and it's just, it's just so strange. Like she feels. Well, like... if you like that, then five minutes into Little Mermaid Two: Return to the Sea, um, right. a new character appears, and Sebastian goes, "Oh no, it's Ursula's crazy sister." Isn't <laughs> isn't it like Ursula's already Triton's sister? Wasn't that the whole thing? I don't know if that's like as much a bit of the the original. Of the original, film. okay. Um, but I think it was. I think it is implied there. But this is definitely much more a heavier thing of of, of this. But it's a like, that's the point. Is yeah, the, the Little Mummy Two is bad. Um, Shocker. <laughs> remake is better than Little Mummy Two. So okay. Know, the, the, there's we'll the official that. Little Mermaid but ranking that everyone was asking for. If something's going to be live action, I feel it should be to take advantage of what live action can do and like the yeah. actual like practicality of live action, and 
there could be a cool, really baroque, really practical looking realization of the Little Mermaid story here that look awesome. Um, I want something, and this is dumb, but I want something more akin to, obviously not like this, but more akin to Guinea Pig 6, like Mermaid in a Manhole. <laughs> okay, that's not... <laughs> okay, I was expecting you to go for The Lure, which is also a mermaid musical. Oh, okay. I've not seen The Lure. <laughs> the Lure is uh, great. I have, seen, I have seen Guinea Pig 6, Mermaid in a Manhole, of uh, <laughs> like, twisted, cool, practical stuff involving mermaids. And you could make a Tim Burton-y, Guillermo del Toro-y, kind yeah. of like cool baroque fantasy of the practical visuals of people in suits and it could but that costs so much money would take so much time and they're like let's throw a computer at it absolutely yeah it's yeah it's just i mean i don't necessarily hate the idea i'm not like anti-remake in a general sense because there have yeah. been there have been good remakes in the history of film there's tons of them but mm. uh, it's it's just that disney is just turning really these out that new twilight remake <laughs> yeah <laughs> right it took me a second i was like what okay um you know yeah these these things exist and they are good sometimes but it's just that disney is just turning them out because they can and they're names that people recognize and they're not actually taking any time to like what do we actually want to infuse into this it's just plus means it's double business because it means you get the cinema now people therefore watch original moment disney plus like i did today and then watch this new one again when it comes to disney plus so you get triple business um so it's yeah a little little circular thing going on there um i what about animated remakes of live action films that would be cool that would be cool i was trying to think if that exists already does it um i bet i mean i bet there is i mean there must be like anime takes on things that but there was there is anime metropolis that's true yeah so like that but i can't think of something that's i i guess it's because animation is so in the u.s and the uk and in like western cinema is just like stuff that's for kids and i know in wider asian cinema that that is not the case so you do get really interesting takes in that way um more like open-ended medium but i would like an animated remake of something I, I feel there's like much more space i mean you could you yeah could, like pinocchio is an animated remake of an animated film already that's i mean i don't i don't like the film very much but that's more interesting to me yeah no a that's different form of animation that's true yeah i think like i don't care about remakes that's fine make remakes i think the the thing that really like bums me out is that remaking all of the stuff in live action just feels like such an erasure of animation as a medium Mm. like i mean disney already has you know moved on from that from 2d animation so long ago at this point but it's just like i i just want to see more of that i would love them to do it again i would i would really like to go back it's so depressing to me that moana is going to be now live action moana you're like right like it's just to do something that quickly is just like okay like i can even understand from a more disconnected perspective, you know, divorced from the the corporate idea of it, of just, like, these are, you know, older films, and we're remaking them yeah. for a new generation, but, like, the, Moana was, you know, <laughs> less than ten years ago? Like, what are we doing? I mean, whatchamacallit, Robin Hood is going to be, like, what is that going to be? Is it going to be animals still? Great question. I bet it'll be kind of like Lion King, I guess, where they're just, like, more realistic animals and it's the same thing what if it's like fantastic mr fox style 
that would be amazing, and I bet you it won't be that. <laughs> that would be a better movie. It, it be would be movie. much better. That, would, that sounds yeah. great. Um, um, that would be really, really cool. Um, that's The Little Mermaid, unless you've got any final thoughts. No, I don't think so. I mentioned Guinea Pig 6, and I mentioned James Wan, so I'm, you know, I ticked off my things. Um, should we, speaking of remakes, should we go to, to our friend's Matt, our friend Matt's question? Yeah, so remakes. let's, I mean, we've got quite a, quite a bit of listener mail this week, so let's, let's dive into our, our bag of mail. If you want to start with Matt, let's go ahead and start with Matt's question. So, um, I, I've got my notes here, but I don't have his exact question, but I can, I can pull it up. Oh, okay. Away. If you can pull it up, um, I can do the same. Bidu, 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 editing, 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 editing. Nope, that's the wrong chat. Hi, spoiling things. Hi. On the subject of remakes, <laughs> Matt, we were on the subject. How? How? How, how quaint. <laughs> I'd like to hear from each of you. Ooh, five movies. Good number. You would like to see remade. Okay. And... Five movies you predict will be remade within the next ten years. No already announced projects. Now, do I think any of mine will be made in the next ten years? No. Probably not. Really no. no. Um, it's a, it's yeah. a fun prompt. Two it fun is. prompts here. Um, let's go for the what we think will be remade first, because I think that's, though both are interesting, that's less interesting and less of a discussion point. What we think so, will be remade? Okay. I would love to hear Should we go yours. person for person, in case there's any... Sure. I, just, I, I was curious what your approach was, because I was kind of trying to think about, like, what what kind of films are remade? Like, what is... Okay. Like, trying I've to get a, a sense of, of like... Okay, I, and I, I kind of... I've actually got three. I wrote two, but and then I thought of a third kind of category I've later. I feel like... Well, <laughs> yes, I mean, <laughs> groups of remakes. <laughs> You've got, like, remakes of, of older classics, like stuff that's already kind yep. of in the canon. I've got You've got... There. You've got American remakes of popular international features... And yeah, I refuse to include one of those. <laughs> <laughs> I, I tried to go for everything. I've got a little bit of everything. And then I think finally you've got remakes of like what seems like unassailable horror classics is like a, its own subcategory. Yeah, I, I spent a long time looking at classic horror movies being like, what's going to be the next to be remade? And it was very difficult. Because you already because got like The Exorcist is next up. The Exorcist, yeah. I was just like, there you go. Um, it's hard. All right, so why don't you, you, weird you why don't you lead us off with what what you've got? All right, um, I think films that become cult classics, yes. I think get remade. So I'm gonna go, and especially the more mainstream cult classics, mm. and I think especially with the heat for um, '80s kind of like culturey stuff. Yeah. Um, I think the Lost Boys. Oh, interesting. Okay. Remade. I would see that. I would if they just went. Here's a Disney Plus or like Netflix original reboot. I'm going to count those as well, like the Craft style, um, or the Hocus Pocus sequel thing style of Lost Boys. Maybe it's going to be a Lost Boys two, but I'd still count that. I wouldn't be surprised if the Lost Boys came back. Okay, so going through my categories, I'm going to start with one of my remakes of recent international hits. And my first, my first one is the worst person in the world. I think is oh, really could cool. be ripe yeah. for a, an American mm. translation that will certainly yeah. not be as good. Yeah, but um, I know you don't like really? it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're probably right, but you know, low bar. Um, so, number two, 
because it's hot with the teens. Okay. And if if the teens like it, right. the Netflix movie. I would not be surprised if Mean Girls got remade. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's a good call. I think the like a Gen Z Mean Girls. Yeah, it's that's definitely. I think uh, we haven't quite seen that yet, but I can totally see in the next few years a lot of remakes and of I like two thousand stuff. Because of, I think, the very understandable Gen Z reaction to problematized things, with Tina Fey being a problematic figure, yeah. and there being parts of Mean Girls that don't hold up to the standards that Gen Z would want, I wouldn't yeah. be surprised if there was a more Gen Z-friendly Mean Girls with a Z at the end. You think that's what they're going to do? They're going to call it Mean Girls? No, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> like Bratz. <laughs> yeah. <gasps> that movie the Bratz great. remake. I have seen Bratz. It's got an outfit in it. Alright, my next one. Don't want to see it, but I feel like kind of in the vein of remaking um, uh, Train to Busan, I feel like The Raid could get a remake in the US, and that would not surprise me. Oh yeah, they did that. It was Judge Dredd. Okay, yes. (laughs) There are similar movies, but they came out at the same time. (laughs) (laughs) Also, Dredd was a box office flop, so... I, mean, it's I think now with like the, the the status of both of those films, they would I can see a let's do an, another level <laughs> movie level action. Yeah, I it would be nice, but I think you're probably right in a way that if the raid is to return, which I really wish that it would, and I don't think it will. I think it will return as a like a rebooted English language yeah. kind of thing. You're, you're, pro- you're probably correct there. Um, annoyingly, I forgot. This film came up in our discussion. I was like, God damn it, you're right. It has been remade. Um, but another thing that I thought of is, and I didn't want to pick one of these for once. I don't want this. But silent classics. You know I love a silent classic. Mm. Of a remake of a silent classic. Yeah. And a lot, most of them have been. Like, I thought about, like, historical epics or old literary adaptations. And obviously that didn't really count in the same way. Um, I'm sure, like, Henry V will get made again. But right. it doesn't really count as a, as a remake. <laughs> um, so I... I thought and thought and thought. I think Chaplin and Keaton are too specific that you're not going to get like a modern times remake. That would be really yeah, because those really hinge on the star of them. I don't know if that really works in like a translation way. And, and I thought um, Caligari maybe, but then that's so intertwined with its form and the expressionist style. I don't, mm. I just, I don't know. And I'm, there probably is a remake of Caligari. Um, I know there are like spins on. There is a porno called Doctor Caligari, for example. <laughs> Um, directed by that porno that our friends watched recently. Um, I think you maybe wanted. Did you watch the porno? No. No. It was unavailable. But the person that directed that porno, oh, okay. Dr. Caligari, uh, which I don't know if it's related, but I just saw that name and was like, oh, I wonder if that's a porn. useful context for the audience. <laughs> like, porn parody of <laughs> Cabinet to Dr. Caligari. Oh um, but yeah, I, I went the easy one and I, I wrote Metropolis. I wouldn't, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if at some point there was a realisation with modern technology version of Metropolis and then I was like oh yeah you're right there was that anime remake of it but I predict at some point a live action remake of Metropolis yeah yeah that wouldn't surprise me either I didn't yeah I didn't go that far back just because I don't have as much like knowledge of stuff in the, those eras but that totally you don't makes know sense Metropolis. <laughs> well I mean you know what I mean I'm not like a I don't have that much um, and then also and you haven't even seen this movie but also in the vein of, of recent oh, international remake? stuff um and this one I genuinely would be kind of curious about if it was remade, um, but there was a movie that came out, I can't remember if it was last year or two years ago, um, but Official Competition, 
was a oh yeah yeah with penelope cruz really cool spanish movie where she plays like a kind of an eccentric director that pits her two male leads kind of against each other um remember that coming out yeah really cool movie i really liked it um but i think that's the kind of thing that like you can just drop that into america and you know kind of do the similar like who's a famous actor that we can kind of put in this movie and yeah 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 my next one is the and you're probably gonna say that has been remade and it probably has but i was looking for a horror horror film because like this this is the thing and i was looking for that kind of era of yes it will have sequels but not sequels in the way that it's a franchise like a jason Mm. movie or a freddy movie or a halloween movie because like they're not getting remade they're just being continued and even when they are rebooted it it's weird, so I can't say Hell Re- Hellraiser, though, you know, there was a Hellraiser remake, right. arguably, last year. Um, I settled with The Omen. Oh, okay. Interesting. I'm surprised think, there's not, like, a more which, of those, Again, I I w- maybe there isn't. Maybe there already is an, mm. an Omen. Maybe there's a, I bet there's a direct-to-TV movie. But I wouldn't be surprised. I think The Omen is known enough by people. Um, so here's, here's an aside, then. So I was at a Wu-Tang Clan concert last weekend. Um, yeah, and it was great. Um, and I noted though, huge crowd at the beginning. So it was a wider festival. Huge crowd at the beginning, and dedicated throughout, but a thinning crowd throughout. And Emma and I really enjoyed it. Our two friends with us really enjoyed it. But my explanation was, I think most people have heard of the Wu Tang Clan and want to have gone to Wu Tang Clan concert, mm. but don't actually know their music. Yeah, and they're just like. This is a lot of songs that I don't know. And I feel like The Omen is that. If everyone knows The Omen. Yeah, that's a good I've heard call. of The Omen. But I don't know if that many people have actually watched The Omen, especially your modern moviegoer. And so if there was like a The Omen, they're like, oh, that's that Damien film, like The, the Son of the Devil, like well, whatever, like The Antichrist. You know, I understand this. So I could imagine The Omen. Yeah, maybe, things that are like maybe. just obscure enough that people have, that has name recognition, but maybe not like yeah. familiarity. It's a, um, it's a brand. We'll get to brands yeah. later, but it's a brand. So my the next on my list um, is also my horror movie, my horror pick. Um, I went with Possession. I can see that getting uh, a modern remake. I'm sure it would not be good, <laughs> but it seems like the kind of thing of like cult classic. Take someone. I kept, and, and... I kept thinking of things and then be like, oh, that was remade. Because I was like, well, that's Straw Dogs. I was like, oh yeah, that was until <laughs> I did remake Straw Dogs. <laughs> I was like, maybe like Last House. Oh yeah, no, Last House was really like, what about a Spit in Your Grave? Oh yeah, that was like, you know. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, there's a bunch of Spit on Your Grave movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I so didn't do any research, one. so if any of these are already being remade or have been, I have no idea. My last one I went for the logic of what's a classic established great movie that's now old enough for people to want to remake mm. there's a distance there and i thought because it's come up in the news recently there may be a ah. and because his other more famous but arguably less acclaimed for it did not win best picture and this did though this is actually less acclaimed than the, the more famous film um william friedkin's the french connection oh this is that is <laughs> that's crazy <laughs> that that's yours because do you want to know what my last pick is? Is it To Live and Die in LA? Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> I thought about To Live and Die in LA. <laughs> That's crazy. I wondered if we'd have anything the same, but same director. We got pretty close. Yeah. Um, I think because there was that, that scuttlebutt, to quote Awkwafina, um, about the French connection be, yeah. being censored, 
Um, the French Connection is back in the zeitgeist. I think it is an acclaimed movie of a thing. I should have said the goddamn Godfather, actually. Like, when they're going to... Based on a book, so I guess it doesn't really count. Yeah, um, I thought about that, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. I, I can't see that happening while Coppola's when alive, Scorsese I guess. Dies. Yeah. When Scorsese dies, they'll make Goodfellas. Yeah, that wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. Well, taxi, driver yeah. <laughs> taxi, taxi Driver 2. Two Taxi Driver 2. Um, yeah, the French Connection. I can. That's that's also a, a fitting one. But it's like that's one of the things of like they remake that, and instantly the question is, well, everything that they did in that movie was like wildly illegal and not okay, and it's mm. like that's how it made it into like this crazy movie. Hey, hey, it would boy, not happen. I want, the same. I want my woke French Connection. Okay. <laughs> you don't. You don't so, get the the French Connection car chase in twenty twenty three. You do not. No. <laughs> Where they just unauthorized drove through the streets of Chicago. Hey, hey, does it look incredible? Looks it does. Incredible. What a great movie. Um, but yeah, um, six seconds shorter than it was two weeks ago. But, you know, that's the French connection for you. So then, five movies you would like to be remade. I would love to hear your thought process here. This is, all right, I had a lot of fun with this. Um, and I actually thought for these would be really interesting and I would actually love to see these and I'll explain under what circumstances for each one so I've got like okay. a so two are very similar in terms of it's the same logic behind but I think just different enough to it to count as a different subcategory so first one I've said this before actually I said this on a on a, on a, a patron exclusive podcast of okay. here's a remake of a kind of remake that I did enjoy sometimes and Hitchcock did a few of these this is not a Hitchcock film of Hitchcock returned to an earlier film because he knew he could do it better <clears> this <throat> time so um, man he knew too much um, perfect example there David Cronenberg's Shivers <laughs> that does not surprise me that you picked that I, I, and generally I think David Cronenberg should remake Shivers but Stephen still I, thought, such a... I thought Shivers was a perfect movie it's a certified five star banger, obviously, and, and by that I mean the David Cronenberg remake, and because you know Crimes of the Future is arguably a remake of Crimes of the Future. I have not seen the original. Arguably. I figured that they were not similar at all. I thought it was just the same title. No, they're not. They're okay. not. And so I said, arguably, okay. we argued it, and and it was proven to be to be wrong. But <laughs> sure, okay. But I think he should remake Shivers, and I think it'd be really cool because it's such a, a cool central idea, and the Cronenberg today would pull that off better. So that was that was kind of my approach. As I was looking through, I specifically went through my films and I was sorting by stuff that I have at three stars. I was like, what are films that Ooh. I think are okay, but like, what stuff that I liked but I was that didn't quite come together? Like there was something missing, or like I liked the the central idea but it didn't quite pull it off for me. It was kind of my my basis for for my picks so my first pick was uh george cosmatos's leviathan from 1989 which is like an underwater mashup of like alien and the thing so like cool. conceptually very cool idea i think like underwater like submarine kind of movies are cool cool ideas you know stuff like you know, the abyss is kind of similar like i like the ideas but it's kind of doesn't quite get there mm -hmm. for me but like that's the kind of thing i want to see like remade is is I mean, this cool concept, but try it differently. That's, I I thought I didn't go very... I thought about going for yieldy niche movies um, and then decided to just not. Um, so there you go. <laughs> um, my next one is a film I like from a filmmaker and is their first movie, but isn't really of a kin with the movies they now make and okay. is a really cool film. And I think a more genre director could take this cool idea 
and make a cool remake of it. And that film is Duel, the Steven Spielberg movie. I would love to see a kind of like grindhousey, properly B-movie yeah. remake of Duel, the What If Jaws was a truck movie. The yeah, it's funny you say that. I mean, it's not not quite the same, but um, Jack and I last week talked about um, Breakdown with Kurt Russell, which is kind of similar vibes to Duel. Um, mm-hmm. And is worth watching. Very good movie. Breakdown with Kurt Russell. Sounds fun. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> yeah, sure, whatever. Let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> Strange time. Okay. Um, it's my second movie. I think, if I remember correctly, uh, you agree with uh, my uh, general opinion on this one. Um, and Rally, this goes back to okay. Scorsese. Um, but Bringing Out the Dead is a movie that I like a lot of the ideas, mm. but don't love yeah, the execution of it. Yeah, that feels fine. Yeah, that feels um, fine. Yeah, I mean it's it's fine. I really like like the visuals. I like that it mm. kind of like has the the nightlife um, as kind of its yeah. own character, like the city. Um, so there's like a lot of other stuff that I like, um, but yeah. And all... you want it remade by Michael Bay in the style of Ambu LA. Exactly. That's exactly what I want. Yeah. Nailed cool. It. My Continue. next movie is a seminal classic film that okay. you've not seen because you're so underviewed. Um, <laughs> Um, that's very famous for having a black star and for in that way being a a key piece of black cinema that okay. has a, a white director. And I would love for a black filmmaker to do a modern remake or keep it in the same period but have a more astute eye to it because it okay. is about the police in the heat of the night. I haven't seen that. It would be a really cool to have a filmmaker more aligned to the experiences in it right. to make that story about a, a black police officer of and to take the plot beats. And it's such a good movie, but it's that kind of thing. Um, so I really liked, really liked Bigelow's Detroit. And Bigelow got some critique about making that movie for obvious reasons. And mm. she made the very good point of being like, yeah, I agree with you, but... If I didn't make it, the film wouldn't get made. She's like, people were not making this movie. Right. Um, and it was that or not getting made. Um, and that's very, very potent. So it's cool that the Heathen Night exists and it is a good movie. But I would really like to see um, yeah, totally. somebody more aligned take on that. So my next pick, um, kind of, this was a recent watch. And again, I think, weirdly enough, I think you're also on the same page uh, with me. Um, but The Craft. Which is a cool movie, oh, yeah. where I, I love that, like that central concept of it, like you know, which is high school is cool. Than it is. Yeah, and like the first half of it is great, and I love it, and then the second half is just like really mean spirited, totally, really yeah, really mean spirited, and just totally takes the the wind out of it for me. But I love like yeah. the visuals and the the concept of it. So yeah. redo that, and, the craft of it. you know, land the land the land the ending. This well, time. there's a there's a Netflix um, reboot you can watch. It sucks. Is there actually? Yeah, the Craft Legacy it came out like a year ago. Oh, that's right. Ago. Well, forget about that. That's what I. That's why. That's why I said I did not do any research about it. It's if not there a were remake. Though. It was, it's, a, it's a sequel. Oh, a sequel. a sequel. Okay. Well, then I stand my stand my ground. So, I had a slot here I wanted to fill, because um, I was thinking about remakes that I really, really like, and there is a genre of remake that I really, really enjoy, okay. and that's the more dare I say meat-headed remake of established art house classic um and my two key okay. examples are the breathless remake mm. 
and the Blow Up remake of Let's Take And by Blow Up remake, you mean Blow Out? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of Let's Take snooty art film from established European director Mm. and let's make an American as hell kind of like pulpy, accessible, um, fun movie with it. I mean, the Breathless remake did not gain audiences and is nowhere near as good as as Blowout, which is a a great (laughs) movie. Um, But there is still a logic there and it is really fun to see that kind of just like broad, trashy take on snooty art house stuff. So I thought for a while of what would be cool to see and i want it to be americanized specifically okay and so i want so my criteria was what snooty european experimentally art house film okay would make a really cool kind of trashy american non-art house film and i think fellini's eight and a half is the correct answer oh wow yeah i mean it seems like that would be yeah ripe for a remake that yeah i would be very interested to see something like that because I thought originally the Dolce Vita, and then I realised that that guy I don't like kind of made Sorrentino kind of showed us that we don't want to model in Dolce Vita because that's really what um, uh, what's that movie even called? Um, the Great Beauty is just mm. him trying to do model in Dolce Vita, and that movie, as everyone knows, sucks. Um, that's everyone's opinion, not just mine. Um, I was going to say, so, I don't know if that's, so, that's, that is everyone's opinion. It's a very celebrated <laughs> film. It absolutely sucks. It's a terrible filmmaker. Um, so well, we don't want that. But I think the experimental and like the meta edge to it, in the same way there yeah. is that the kind of like meta reflective stuff in both Breathless and in Blow Up, um, that I think eight and a half, especially it being film about filmmaking and like big egos. And I just watched The Other Side of the Wind um, when I was thinking about this. And obviously that's not trashy remaking stuff, but there's like that is American film about films yeah. within films. I was like, yeah, yeah, I, I would like to see this of someone making like an exploitation movie and being that. Just yeah, I would like to see the the wild eight and a half remake. And I think the world is, <laughs> the world is ready for that. we really cool. Yeah, I would I would like to see that too. Um, different ap- approach here, but I, I this is kind of a weird pull for me um, because I actually do quite like the uh, the original film, but. Um, Roger Corman's The Trip is a very strange film that it, basically the entire film is about a guy doing acid for the first time. Um, and it's just like full of like these bizarre, like, you know, kind of otherworldly visuals as he's like, you know, tripping and like then he kind of gets lost in the city and he's all over the place. And it's just like this total like dream landscape. And that's the kind of thing of like, I want to see someone approach that now. Like what's what's the kind of how would someone approach like that psychedelic atmosphere at, at this point like someone like the safties or something doing something like that would be uh would be very interesting to me okay i did i did think about like comedy stuff i mean i had some films i got rid of and one of the films on my list for a while was bucket of blood um which is like of of that ilk um which would be as I said, it's just a cool ass movie but my final one and this is a, another type of remake that i do like Okay. And this I call the reclaiming. This is let's take mm. a a regressive text and let's do it oh, okay. right. Um, imagine if a director of African heritage or a director from Southern African okay. remade Zulu. I don't know what that is. Z- oh, the 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 nineteen sixties hella racist Michael Caine movie oh. about the Anglo Zulu War. Not familiar with it, but 
Continue. Wow, well, this is this is leg- legendary British film. So I don't know how much it, it goes outside of this country, but like mm. really famous. Um, I would say deeply, deeply racist um, war movie, um, and obviously it is from the gotcha. the British point of view, and it would be right. really interesting to see that war and that culture depicted more legitimately. And I feel like even when we get the that side of history, so even when there are films, and I think actually I read a great book called The Sympathizer that's being made into a film actually. Mm. Um, which is about Vietnam and a lot of it's about depictions of Vietnam and it makes the point that loads of films about the Vietnam War, first of all called it the Vietnam War, which therefore centres America, um, but are still on the the American view of isn't the Vietnam War bad? Right. Um, so even like Apocalypse Now is the American view of here's the others right. and isn't this bad? So even films about this this war would be isn't the British Empire bad from the British point of view? It would be great to see a more of that culture or aligned to portrait of that kind of time period, which yeah. I just just have not seen. Like, I really, really love, really love Jennifer Kent's The Nightingales. It's one of my favourite films mm. of the last few years. I think it's an astonishing film. Um, but that is, again, someone's point of view of looking at the, the past crimes of something they're not quite completely attached to right. and I would like to see more perhaps but then you're putting a burden on those to constantly speak about their oppression yep, as the true. only part of their identity um, which is its own thing um, I think Senben um, is, is, with films like Emma Tai and, and, and Black Girl um, gives me a bit of what I want um, so Emma Tai is a film that I will recommend but yeah a, a proper take on Zulu to reclaim that racist trash and make it interesting. I think it would be really, really cool. I really wish that Birth of a Nation movie wasn't mired in controversy and didn't seem to be that interesting. Um, but that kind of thing, that Nate Parker Birth of a Nation film. I don't know about it. Um, yeah, a filmmaker Nate Parker made a film called Birth of a Nation that was taking that title, but was was a film that was not a remake of that film, oh, okay. but like of some of the ideas in it. But just before release there were assault allegations against him um, really serious ones i think and i could be wrong here i think ultimately they were they were overthrown um and i think it's very interesting a film we're not going to cover obviously is is the flash but there is this sense of there are certain people certain identities who something is said against them and they will never work in the industry again yeah. And there are certain people of other identities. And Ezra Miller is, I, I guess, a bit of an interesting one because Ezra Miller is, is not of completely protected characteristics, like being a being a non-binary person. Right. Um, it definitely shows that there are still, you know, that, that definitely complicates matters. But certain people of certain backgrounds get completely blacklisted, yeah. um, probably not the white words to use, um, get completely like, thrown out of Hollywood, direct to jail, happens to women a lot, um, and certain people can, can, can bounce back. So that, that Nate Parker Birth of Nation film looked interesting but I never saw it because of the controversy around it and that yeah. person would probably never make a movie again um, maybe for right but I forget what the actual resolution of that was but I think mm. I think they were cleared what that means I don't know but there you go sorry that was a complete aside no I mean <laughs> I think you're I think you're you're right there um, so my final one um, another one just like that I, I like a lot of the ideas but it doesn't quite get there mostly because the uh, protagonist is very unlikable but um so, and then even thinking about this further, of like Halloween three. <laughs> that's actually that's a good call, but no, it is not Halloween three. 
Um, my, my thought was uh, Demi's Model Shop, um, and you've already got. I I thought about that. Really that interesting. Of, that, yeah, 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 yeah. Like yeah. it's it's a movie that I like a lot of the ideas, but that Cast man, Harrison it, Ford, I think. Yeah, originally was supposed to be Harrison Ford. Um, oh wow! I was just saying, do it in the remake. What a coincidence. <laughs> um, but yeah, that 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 main character is so unlikable. But like you know you. Something like La La Land is like kind of proof that you've got directors that are capable of kind of pulling off the, the Demi aesthetic. And so if someone like Damien Chazelle did the, a remake of Model Shop, that would be a very interesting thing to yeah. see, I think. I, I'm glad. I'm glad. Um, and I was also wanted to avoid, um, apart from my eight and a half one, because there's a different one of like just like generic remake of um, foreign film to, to make it. Um, anglicized but I was half tempted to go for in predictions and maybe even in want of La Samurai and then realized that pretty much like oh that's kind of drive really and yeah that's kind of it's like such, a, it's such an inspirational film that it's already like kind of exists anyway <laughs> and Ghost Dog as well <laughs> it's which everywhere. I think are all better films yeah. than La Samurai as well oh, okay um, I don't love I do love the filmmaker it's um, not one of my favourite films from him at all um, love him love, love well him. but there you go let's move along to some of our other questions do you want to uh, I believe Calvin has sent you some questions one that I don't know yeah, about yeah two questions from Calvin one in true Q&A fashion more of a con than a question I've never had Cheetos that is surprising to me yeah that someone would never have Cheetos please discuss favourite snack in brackets, chips. I'm like, well, chips then. Well, I, I well, hmm. I mean, maybe his question was more, what kind of chips? Like, uh, like chip shop style, I think. Um, oh, I guess. I like, okay, what kind of crisps? Like sweet potatoes. Oh, crisps! Oh, I get it. God. Sorry, my favorite, my favorite snack. Crisps. I'll translate for Calvin. Thank you. Um, you know what? You know what? I'm, I'm, I'm a basic bitch. Okay. I'm a basic bitch. I love a mini cheddar. Love a mini cheddar. That's oh, a very British snack. Absolutely wild. Get mocked sometimes for uh, breaking my little lunchbox. <laughs> mini cheddars, they're like, stay away from your mini cheddars. I'm like, because. I mean, if they're good, who cares? You know? Original's the best. <laughs> yeah, like, it doesn't you, matter. You, in, you enjoy your Walker's salt and vinegar, which are now <laughs> now green and should be blue because they want to sell more packets of cheese and onions. They trick you, and then they made everyone else follow that. And now all salt and vinegar are now green. They should be blue. Salt and vinegar should be blue, and cheese and onions should be green. I didn't expect this this vitriol from Stephen on on I'm Walker's right, packaging. Though. I am right. <laughs> you are right. I would expect salt and vinegar to be blue. You're right. You're absolutely right. And, and but now every other crisp company's followed suit. Really? Yeah. Big upheaval in the, in like the British 10, snack industry. Years ago, but <laughs> okay. I'm still mad about it. <laughs> That's a long time. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But you're right. I do associate oh. certain colors with certain flavors. Because yeah. the sea. Because the sea. Yeah, salt and vinegar. Oh, okay. Sea. I see. I guess does it? Yeah, like a chip, because it makes you fish, fish and chips. Okay, I guess I never considered why those co- colors were correlated. Yeah, sea salt. Okay. Gotcha. Sure, that makes sense. I don't know what crisps you like. Um, I don't know. I do like I do like a lot of a lot of chips. Um, I am a crinkle cup. <laughs> uh, I, I admit I am a big fan of a Cheeto. Um, I like Fritos mm-hmm. as well. Um. I like a, these are these are like a local thing, but I'm a big fan of Tim's. They're like a potato chip, good good potato good. chips. Um, you ever had a yeah. Transformer snack? No, but I have heard about those. That sounds pretty a, awesome. You ever had a, you ever had a cheesy what's it? 
I probably have. I mean, I've tried some British snacks because of Mall, but I, I don't like have a great yeah. memory of them. I like a Cheez-It. Mm. Cheez-Its are good. Yeah. What about a Twiglet? Does a Twiglet count? Uh, I don't know what a Twiglet is off the top they of They taste my like head. burnt. They taste like burnt. That's not a thing that I want. Some people like that, yeah. but... Yeah, not enough. Maybe like Marmite flavored. Oh, that sounds terrible. I'm not interested. Yeah. Take no, me off the Twiglet good. list. Yeah. Um, and his actual question. Okay. <laughs> um, which he says the horrible question, but it's a good question. Um, it is a good question. And it's the question. Um, which brands do you want movies for? So based on Flamin' Hot and Air and Blackberry and yes. Tetris. I think I've got a good answer for this, but I'm curious what yours is. I've got several answers. Several answers. Got, I just I've I just went with five. One. Five? Oh my god, we're running out of time. Yeah. <laughs> you go first. Oh, I'm going first? Okay, I've got my one. Yeah. So I was kind of trying to think of like what... I couldn't really figure out like a lot of just trying to think of different brands i was like this probably wouldn't be interesting or it'd be along the lines of flame and hot which i'm not interested so i was like mm -hmm. i want like a i want like a disaster movie like a downfall movie you know what i yeah, mean I like that. yeah like what's a I company about that, that in just... air so you know a bit of the air where they're like we've given everything to this we've blah 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 yeah like put my money into it i hope it works i'm like we need a movie that shows that doesn't work sometimes so like, just and i've got a movie of... yeah right i've got just the thing for you i want a movie about movie pass <laughs> Is is what I want. Oh, the the cool. rise and fall of MoviePass and their their idea taking off because of a, a limited time promotion that just became extended to forever and that they obviously couldn't sustain. And then surprise, they couldn't. I I've got similarly, I've okay. got three things slashed here. Betamax, mini disc, <laughs> laser disc. Okay. What about HD DVD? Yeah, failed format. <laughs> failed. Yeah, um, no. yeah, the HD. Like, fail because I agree with you. I want the, and obviously you never didn't get it because you need to get company authorization. But I think that distance in the past, I would like to see the the Betamax movie. People that thought, or like you know, the, the yeah, that's much more interesting. To four me. track, yeah. People that, that thought that was going to work was going to be that Laserdisc was the way to watch movies of tomorrow. I bet some sleazy, <laughs> laser some sleazy stuff there. Like the Laserdisc movie on Laserdisc. They better put it out on Laserdisc. I'm well. in. You're right. I, I want yeah. these. What else you got? Um. A critical movie about Nestle would be good. Ooh. Yeah, that'll never happen. Especially about the, like um, the breast that. milk stuff. Um, the formula thing. Um, Hugo Boss and the Nazis. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, I think a really cool, I don't know if Bran is the right word here, but about like Universal Pictures and like the silent era of like, mm. silent studios. Uh, maybe RKO as well, like going um, forward a bit. And finally, what I actually want, and I think it would make a great film, okay. is um, Monopoly. What do you know about the story of Monopoly? Nothing, you're right. Okay, so Monopoly is the invention of a socialist academic who came up with a board game that would point out the inherent contradictions of Monopolies and show that they were bad mm. of make it, to make a game that is hateful to play and shows the problems of the system that then was obviously co-opted by Hasbro yeah. and turned into this thing. Make that movie. That would be great. You're right. I'm, I would love to see that. That would be part of the, mm. the Hasbro cinematic universe. So Yeah. So there you go. That's my five. All right, I like that list. That's a good list. Okay. Um, what else do we have? I do have one uh, email, which I'll go through quickly because it's a short one. Another email from our friend Slayboss, who says, "When oh, do you think Disney Slay. will start remaking their live-action remakes?" Soon. I'm going to count I think Lion soon King as well. Two as that. Yeah, you're right. 
I think I would also not be surprised if we got like another live action uh, 101 Dalmatians, something like that, like stuff that yeah. was remade well, Cru- in the past. Cruella counts. Yeah, that's true. Cruella's along those lines. But yeah, no, I, I, I think they will. Or they demake them, like PS1 games. <laughs> like that Bloodborne demake. Yeah, okay, sure. Yeah. I don't know what that would look like, really, but I'm interested, I guess. Cool, it would look cool, it would look cool, it would look cool. Well, but where's my Disney's Lies of P? Ooh, I played the demo for that, it's a fun game. I've not played the demo for that, I'd like to. But this isn't a game podcast, so no, we've got. No. I think we've got one last question, which is a... It's quite a task to undertake, Stephen. You want to read our last question? You've got it. You sent it to me. I did? Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, God. Yeah. Okay. So, Bab writes in. Hi, Bab. And she asks us to make a tier list of all the Cheetos products. Yes. So I have, I've got a tier list maker pulled up here of all the Cheetos products. Um, thankfully, I did not I, have to make this. Um, I don't know if I like Cheetos, I'll be honest. I, I was interested. I don't know how like British of a brand it is, if it's popular over there. Do you have a lot of Cheetos products? don't think so. No? Okay, well. And I, I'm like, looking at this yes, list, and I've had like... some of these. Um, but let me, let me. I'll, I'll share my screen with you, so you can check out this tier list with Again, me. I'm, I'm, more, I'm more of a cheesy what's it kind of guy. Okay, so here's your here's your tier list. Um, yeah, um... it's a lot of Cheetos. I definitely have not had most of these, um, but we'll go through <laughs> what we can. Okay. These, some of these, I don't even know um, what they oh. are. Cheetos um, Crunchy Glow in the Dark Bag, I'm putting as S tier. Which one's that? I don't even know if I see that. Cheetos I'm on the Star. list that, that Beb sent. Oh, you're on the list that Beb sent. I, that was like so many that I didn't even know what I was looking at. Cheetos so that was always like hot brand flavor filling on cheese flavored snacks. Pepper Puffs. Cheetos Go Snacks Asteroids. Yeah, most of these I, I haven't heard of. But the Cheetos first... Gold Shrimp. Gold Shrimp. Okay, now I'm interested in that. Um, but our, our first thing on the tier list is Cheetos Puffs. Are you a fan of a puff? What's your I mean, puff no, pinion? Really? Um, so I guess B. B? Okay. I, I put puffs in a B. <laughs> sure. Let's do that. <laughs> and this is great because it's visual for us, but nobody else can see it, so that makes it even better. Um, so we got Cheetos Puffs. You can stop listening now. I'm going to get my plugs in now. So for those that don't want to rush, <laughs> we'll try and get um, through this quickly. Yeah. Because um, um, I, like I'm I said, recommend, I recommend skip, skip the time code. I've got. I've no, don't skip anything. It's great content. Um, um, so Cheetos um, Pop the Stacks patreoncom slash the Stacks. Thank you. <laughs> I'm gonna get. I'm gonna guess that you haven't had Cheetos popcorn. I'm gonna say that's A tier because popcorn is better than Cheetos. See, Cheetos popcorn's okay. Uh, it's not. Not my favorite. I don't know if they have the the flaming hot popcorn in here, but that's definitely like better. Being on a podcast with me, but I'm not me. Um, <laughs> good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna put it. I'm gonna put it in B tier. Um, okay. She popcorn. Well, I said already. A, but fine. Well, I mean, what are we gonna do if we disagree? <laughs> I guess B. You, one of us has had it. <laughs> True. All right. I've so now, we, now we've had it. I've had it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Uh, we've arrived at Flamin' Hot Cheetos. Have you had a Flamin' Hot Cheeto, Stephen? No, but I now hate them, so D. Oh, that's God, absolutely that crime? absolutely not putting those at D. I, actually, I listen, regardless of the movie, I love a Flamin' Hot Cheeto. 
that's an S tier. That's an S tier snack right there. Uh, I have no idea what I'm looking at here. This next one, <laughs> I don't know what that is. I find it visually interesting. C. <laughs> okay, perfect. I don't know what this is either. Cheetos Puffs Pizza? Is that what that says? Oh, okay. That sounds like it's solid B. Okay, we'll put puff. that at B. These are, I don't even know what these are. Cheetos Fantastics? I don't know what those are either. Like, it could be an A. It's fantastic. Cheetos Sticks? I don't know what those are. Um, sure, we're going to assume that yeah. Cheetos... This is... Why would they lie? They didn't lie in that movie. <laughs> this next one is Sweetos, which I've never heard of and sounds disgusting. D. So I'm putting Sweetos at D. Uh, this is Cheetos and then Japanese, and I don't know what that says. S tier, because it's Japan. So okay, Japan we'll put, invented we'll put Japanese the S tier. Okay. Uh, you're right, you're right, like, okay. This whole thing of it being S is, come on. Uh, the next one is Cheetos Mexican Street Corn. I've never had this. It doesn't sound great. The top of B. Oh, are we ranking individual things in B now? <laughs> okay. Yes. Um, also can't tell what this next one Lies is. Another B. kind of Cheetos Puff. They're all another kind of Cheetos puff. That's all of okay. them. Well, there's a difference between regular Cheetos and Cheetos puffs. Okay, what is it? One's puffier, obviously. There's more air in it. Um, huh. I'm gonna. I'll just. All the puffs are in B, I guess. Um, <laughs> I don't know what this How next much? one is. I keep having to like squint at my screen to see if I can read this tiny image. I don't know what it is. It's a C for safety. Yeah, put that in C. Um, Flamin' Hot Fantastics. I'll put those right next to the other Fantastics. I, I don't think know what they are. We, No, I think we have to look above those ones. Okay. We've said that Flamin' Hot are Flamin' Hot's better. I think they're top of A. You want to put Fantastics above Japanese Cheetos? No, the top of A. I think the top of A. Oh, the top of A. I see. Okay, okay. Yeah. Um, Cheetos Fiery Fusion. Don't know what that is. I'm going to say that's Fusion, Suspicious, C. C, okay, I'll put that in C. I can't, I can't tell what that, what does that say? Wild Habanero, maybe? Ah, uh, there's a lot of these are quite similar. I also could be reading like that wrong. Spicy Cheeto. Um, I'm going to put that in B. B is my safe yeah, tier, I if I don't know if that's yeah. good or not. Um, Cheetos yeah. Mighty Zingers, there's two of these, and I don't know what they are. S tier. I love a Mighty Zinger. <laughs> okay. I love a Zinger. I feel like I need to try these at some point to know if these are right. This one looks worse. Yeah. The bag's purple. Um, um, therefore, like... it's B. Okay, we'll put that in B then. Um, yeah. This is, I think, Cheddar Jalapeno Cheetos Popcorn, which is great. A. I'm putting that in A. Actually, I want to put that in the top of A. Love a mini cheddar. Love a mini cheddar. <laughs> this is Cracker Tracks, and I don't know what that means. I love Jack and Dax. Put it in B. <laughs> sure. Uh... Cheeto, that's deodorant. Cheetos shots? It does look like deodorant. <laughs> I'm putting Cheetos deodorant in D. Because <laughs> okay. I don't okay. trust that. I love this is great because nobody has any idea what we're looking at. Uh, this is Cheetos mix-ups. So I think it's kind of we'll like put a... put a screenshot of this in somewhere. Yeah. Um, this is... It looks like kind of like a Chex Mix. I don't know what the difference is between these two. I'm going to put them both in B. I don't know what Chex Mix is. Okay, cool. Um... More Japanese Cheetos, obviously S tier. S tier. Um, is this just regular Cheetos? I'm not a huge fan of just plain Cheetos. <laughs> Why are we doing this? What? What do you mean? I'm You're like, I don't like Cheetos. No, no I, like I listen. Cheetos. Huge fan of flaming hot Cheetos. I like cheddar jalapeno. There's a lot of other Cheetos that I like. Base Cheetos are like they're like a solid A, but they're not like amazing. You know? Oh, I, mean? I don't like them. They're an A. <laughs> Don't like them is not... I don't go for them very often. This is like the M. Night Shyamalan tier list all over again. <laughs> it's 
it's this is I'm enjoying this because clearly you're miserable. So, <laughs> um, uh, we'll put more deodorant in the. <laughs> yeah, let's um, say this more deodorant. <laughs> this is I think this is like simply cheat. This is like the healthy Cheetos, which seems like yeah. bullshit because like if I'm eating Cheetos, I know I'm not being healthy. Yeah, uh, I'll put those in C. Oh, you want to put in D? Yeah, okay, D. we'll put them in D. Yeah. Uh, this looks like spiral puffs. I don't know what those. I've never had them. See, see, okay. Cheetos, Chester's poppers. <laughs> what is that? I don't that know sounds illegal. Put that in D. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know what this is. I can't read what that says, so I'm gonna put it in D. I'm really tired. <laughs> oh yeah, it's getting late. We'll it's finish this up. Late. I have work in the morning. Uh, I've never had these. Put them in C. Uh, love those. Put them in uh, S. <laughs> um, put that in A. We're going to speed through this. That's uh, Flaming Hot Lime or in S. Uh, I don't know what that is. Put that in C. Uh, cheddar Jalapeno. Great. Put that in S. Uh, don't know what that is. Put it in D. Um, and then I'll, right. I'll, say, I'll save an image of that and put that in the in the podcast. Cool. Uh, Alright, so there's your tier list, Beb. Uh, you've yeah. made Steven very tired and exhausted. <laughs> Um, but that is the end of our, our mail segment. So, mm. Stephen, give us a recommendation quick and we'll, uh, we'll end so this podcast. So, I was podcast. thinking about this. I, so, I could, for the sense of, like, completion. So, I, I, I considered recommending the final film in the Bill Douglas trilogy that I recommended one at a time. <laughs> so, I watched the last one. I think it maybe is the best one. So, my way home. So, if you've watched those previous recommendations, what is one? Expands in scope. It's beautiful. Loved it. Um, what a great trilogy. And then I was thinking of recommending the psychogeography narrative documentary london from 1994 mm. um which which is cool um and is, is great and then i thought no you know what's better a qualified recommendation okay i love a qualified recommendation love that not a great movie but a really okay. interesting <laughs> film um so i watched this yesterday um i think gus van sant is one actually the day before yesterday now because it's just turned into the next day um but i think that gus van sant's a really interesting filmmaker even though i don't love a lot of his films and some of them I think are bad um, I don't like um, Good Will Hunting at all um, Milk is fine um, and Elephant is maybe a swing and a miss um, I think a lot of his stuff is maybe a swing and a miss and okay. I kind of like that these wings I think of a filmmaker of his ilk he's so surprisingly interesting so I think My in Private Idaho is, is a great movie and I remember really liking Paranoid Park um, I love that he remade Psycho Shot for Shot. It's hilarious. Um, so I watched his film Jerry, um, which you have to get past Casey Affleck being in it, but it's really interesting. I don't think it's great, but it's really interesting. And okay. I think it's more interesting than many great movies that are really interesting because they are great, if that makes sense, whereas this is interesting because it's really trying something. Um, the two men influence on it, and this is a 2002 American release its two main influences are Bella Tarr and okay. Chantal Ackerman. Um, wow. I just think it's really cool Ooh. that a filmmaker of the... has an audience. Right. Like this film was not seen by anyone and has not been heard of, but decides to do his take on like a, a Bella Tarr film. Yep. Chantal Ackerman... I mean, basically, means it's got a lot of long takes. Um, it's, a, it's two people named Jerry who are out on a hike and get lost, and it's lots of long panning shots dispassionate thing and they just talk um not really much happens its issue is it definitely apes the syntax of a bellatar movie and i mean calling it ackerman inspired seems a bit of a misnomer because it is so not thematically aligned with what kind of films ackerman makes 
it's got long sets. I guess like Hotel Monterey, you could say it's linked to because it's this dispassionate gaze at either people mm. or, or landscape. It doesn't dis differentiate the two, arguably, from a camera point of view. The Bellatar stuff makes sense, um, though therefore, but it's not obsessed with process, the way that a Bellatar film can be. Um, also, it's 2002, so it's, it, it's, it's different. It's not like this is pre-Turin Horse, for example. Um, I think, interestingly, the the filmmaker it's most like in expression is, is Neil Burgess-Selan, who I really like, but That's this comes out before those. before he'd made some films okay. at this point, but he'd not made the films that we think of being Selan movies. Um, okay, this okay. is not as good as those, but I feel in the slow cinema canon, I love slow cinema, it feels more like that. And it's only 103 minutes long, so it reminds you that slow cinema is not about the length of the film, it's about the, the rumination inside right. of that. Um, there's a great bit partway through where just Casey Affleck's character just tells this long story about what I think is like some very systems-heavy strategy game that he's played. Um, cool. But it doesn't really, but he doesn't really talk. He just talks about how he conquered Thebes and it talks about like resource management and how he needs like twelve horses to have an army to have that. So it sounds like he's playing like, like some some like paradox-style st grand strategy game. But the fact that he doesn't talk about it, it's got those moments that I, and I wish it was more. It feels Beckettian in that way, like Waiting for Godot style of just like everyday prosaic, surrealist, strange narrative. And the right. idea of they get lost and can't get back has that exterminating angel style to it. I think it would be a much better film if it lent into the absurdism and existential factor there. Yeah. And it, it gets something a bit more realist at the end, um, which I think doesn't work for it. I think cinematically as a piece of visual cinema, it's really interesting and, and really ambitious. And... The script, written by Damon Affleck, Casey Affleck, and Gus Van Sant. Clearly, Gus Van Sant loves Baylor movies and loves Shadow Ackerman, but does not have one of their movies in him, but wants to make one. And that's right. such an interesting kind of thing for me. That I, I do recommend it. I think it's really worth watching someone try to make a kind of movie that's not within their grasp and fail at it on a script level, but it still be such an interesting swing and a miss. Um, so, Jerry the Gus Van Sant movie. That's that's kind of always my take, is I would rather watch a swing and a miss than someone that's not mm. swinging at all. Um, so yeah. definitely much more It should be more me. last year at Marion Bad than it almost is that. Um, mm. But alas, no. Um, so, gotta wrap up one, because Stephen has to go to bed and also I have mm. to leave, but um, my quick recommendation, um, because of the popularity lately of Michelle Yeoh, Criterion did a wonderful collection on the Criterion channel of a bunch of great uh, Michelle Yeoh movies, and one of those is Royal Warriors, which is fantastic. So great early Michelle Yeoh performance. There's a great uh, young Hiroyuki Sonata in there as well. Um, really good um, kind of like classic Hong Kong detective cop story kind of thing. Um, mm -hmm. Fantastic action. There's some um, incredible like car chase sequences in there. Um, the the restoration that's on Criterion is just fantastic. Um, there's like an amazing sequence at the end where Michelle Yeoh drives like a giant like battle truck tank thing, <laughs> which is just fantastic. Um, so that's as, as short as I'll keep it for now, so we can wrap up. But I highly recommend Royal Warriors, which is a, a fantastic film. Right. I need to watch more of her movies in general. Um, yeah, she's just, she's just fantastic. Yeah, Michelle Yeoh. Yeah. So yeah, there so, you go, Stephen. What what do you um, got to plug quick before we wrap I'm gonna... up? plug the akira podcast i'm not not yet listened to but but want to i mean you could have made a perfect blue podcast but <laughs> we could have um, but yes i did i did talk to calvin about akira which you should go listen to that now yeah I'm, I'm gonna plug that so i'm gonna, I'm gonna plug you i'm gonna say well, listen thank to you. that akira podcast 
Um, and what you're doing that um, patreon.com slash the stacks on film there you go um, yeah that's that's what I've got recently is the uh, the Akira podcast Calvin and I are still working on something else that uh, will be upcoming uh, so keep an eye out for that on the Twin Geeks uh, feed as well and yeah that's about it head to thetwingeeks.com for lots of uh, coverage of new recent releases and we'll be back in two weeks but for now Stephen I'm thinking of ending this podcast thank you <laughs>